Welcome to Market Chat, bringing clarity to the clutter in government marketing, brought to you by Government Marketing University. Market Chat brings you conversations that aim to empower our listeners with greater insights and knowledge on how to successfully market to the U.S. public sector. I'm Luann Brossman, founder and president of Government Marketing University, and I'll be your host today. My co-host today on Market Chat is Steve Watkins, Government Marketing University's Chief Content Officer and the former editor of the Federal Times. How are you doing today, Steve? Great, Luann. Good to be with you. I'm happy you're here. In this episode of Market Chat, we will talk with three public sector marketers who have unlocked the secrets of successful marketing to the state and local governments. In the studio today is Stephanie Broyles. Stephanie is the Director of Global Government Marketing at FireEye, and she'll be talking about state and local go-to-market planning and identifying the right personas when executing your marketing campaigns. We also have with us in the studio today, Karen Borowski. Karen is the Senior Field Marketing Manager for State and Local Government with NetApp. Karen's going to be talking about the strategies, but also the tactics, those ever-loving, important tactics that are needed to market effectively to the state and local government. On the phone is Jimmy Baker. Jimmy is the CEO of the Public Sector Technology Exchange, and he'll be talking today about understanding the state and local government. So we have a great program today. I'm very excited to have Stephanie Broyles with us today. Stephanie is the director, senior director of global government marketing for FireEye with over 23 years of government experience. So Stephanie, welcome. Thank you for coming into the studio. Thank you for having me. So we're talking all about state and local marketing today, and we're very excited to hear all that you've got to share with us. Mm -hmm. So um, let's start at a high level. How does a marketer get to know about state and local marketing? It's critical that the private sector not think of themselves as vendors, but as partners in the procurement process at the state and local level. There's a lot of power devolving to the local level and community level. Companies will be smart to help address health, crime, transportation, and other issues at the at this level. Mm-hmm. The key is to be uh, thought leader partners who understand the issues and how the solutions will help serve their mission. That's great. I, I, great insight. And, and it is an evolving market. I think that's something that all three of our panelists will be talking about today is it, things are changing, you know, and, and I, I'm excited to hear more about that. You know, Stephanie, one of the things that you've shared with us is mm-hmm. a go to market strategy and a plan and a to do list, for lack of better words. And one of the things that we're really big at at GMARQU is making lists that we provide to our students. So one of the things that we will do from this session today is to make a Stephanie to-do list, right? How do you go to market in state and local? So let's talk about that. If you could walk us through what you think um, are the primary things that a government marketer should stop and think about as they're preparing to build a go-to-market sales and uh, marketing plan. Sure, absolutely. First, understanding sales readiness is, is a key. Marketing is an extension of sales. We are equal partners in their success. Everything we do is to influence, aid, and support the sales process. Mm -hmm. We have to approach all go-to-market plans by ensuring we understand the organization we support. There are a series of questions to answer to make sure you understand sales readiness. Here they are. What makes us different? Are we selling direct or indirect? That's a big one because that's going through the channel versus going direct. So that's a really important topic to think about. Absolutely. What is the price of a typical engagement or average deal size? And that would be important because today marketing leaders are pushing us all the more on ROI and attribution, which I know we'll talk about later in the program. But that's important because you can't back into your your ROI expectations until you know what the dollar amount you're looking at. Absolutely. What are the traditional sales activities your company supports? As an example, inbound which would be content marketing, social search marketing optimization, Mm -hmm. or possibly outbound. Customers find you through various paid and natural search engine efforts. Don't forget your SEO. That's the message there. What are the general buying patterns of the government customers? As an example, right now, we have all but five states who are going to be closing business at the end of June. So you have to know where you're targeting what their fiscal year is. So all the more reason for listeners to hear this podcast. What states have enough budget to target? I want to note that this isn't rocket science. Uh, The higher the population, the more money the state has. Okay. Are there any grants or appropriations in place at the state level that are applicable for your solution? You you know, grants, I'd like to ask you a little bit more about that. Grants. So we hear a lot of times that you can find money at the federal level for state and local grants. Have you had success in doing state and local marketing with doing that process? 
Yes, um, we have. Uh, in fact, right now, I do work for a cybersecurity uh, company. They're looking at a national cybersecurity grant to be out to all 50 states. But speaking of grants and appropriations, that's where having government affairs or a consultant working on your behalf can really aid you. These are the organizations that really help pave the way two to three years out mm. by helping with forming policy at the state level so that your business development team can then uh, design based on the policy, uh, go after establishing programs at the state level, which then allows your account managers and account directors to literally go after a program. Now, that doesn't mean it's as simple as once you're on a program, you win the business, but it definitely helps pave the way. Absolutely. That's that's great. And there's some really awesome consultants out there available to our marketers. Absolutely. Uh, they can um, provide insight and trends in your space, the spending of past and future, the type of services the state and local agencies have procured, mm-hmm. the industry average sales cycle, and um, this can help you plan accordingly. Great. Okay. Um, so let's talk about the buying process. You touched based on that a little bit about the timing, but let's talk about the state and local buying process. What do you see there? It's very important. Marketing needs to understand how much states and locals spend on their solutions, who their mm-hmm. competition is, and what is the preferred procurement method. I would recommend doing or acquiring a spend analysis. Again, if you have government affairs or business development in-house, you might already have these at yep. your fingertips. Understand what is happening today and what is projected for the future. Make sure you understand where your competition sits within today's market space and what contract vehicles are required to close business. As we know, there's open market and also government acquisition contracts. There's so much to learn. Government Marketing University is going to make sure that we provide a lot more insight on those topics for sure coming in the future. Um, All right, so let's go to the next question. Um, With the perspective and the research that you just provided, which is spot on in a state and local market, tell us what you need to do now to actually build the plan. It is important for government marketers to develop a variety of components in order to fully attack a state and local marketplace. Uh, Again, I'm going to provide a list. I hope that's okay, Luann. Yeah, we love lists. GMark, you all about lists. Okay, one, market your differentiation. Not the contract vehicle that you were going after, but market your differentiation. Make sure you have capabilities or a mission statement that reinforces that differentiation. Great. Have a government-focused web page and be able to direct .gov addresses to that page so visitors may see blogs, case studies, and white papers that are applicable to their pain points. Get to know the targeted agency. Create a targeted outreach nurture plan for each opportunity identified. With your government affairs business development, account directors, and strategic technology partners, identify potential partnering teaming companies to increase your feet on the street. And last but not least, participate, host, attend, sponsor government events, expos, and lunch and learns. Great advice. So now you've done all this, how do you track it? How do you make sure that your ROI and your reporting metrics back to your leadership? We should all, you should not invest a single cent uh, without driving ROI. Awareness, consideration, evaluation, and decision activities should not launch without the capability to measure an effective program. Mm. Metrics allow us to better understand what is working, what is not, so we can make adjustments. Marketing automation is your friend, so stay close to it. Oh, I love that. Marketing automation is your friend, so stay close to that. That's a quote that we might use in some GMARCU collateral. All right. So, um, Stephanie, this has been great. Thank you. you. You got great insight for our listeners. And I'd like to close your segment on, you know, what are three pieces of sound advice that you would give to new marketers entering the state and local market? Ask questions. Mm. Never stop asking questions. Never stop learning. And do not be afraid to take risk. Uh, the greatest feats usually come from learning from mistakes. So be bold and go for it. Be bold and go for it. All right, listeners, you just heard that live from Stephanie Broyles. Thank you so much for being here, Stephanie. Thank you. So let's go to break, and then we will come back with our next segment. I am Luann Brossman, your host of Government Marketing University Market Chat, where we bring you government marketing hot topics, exciting guests, and innovative ideas on government marketing. You are listening to Market Chat, bringing clarity to the clutter in government marketing, brought to you by Government Marketing University on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Are you a government marketing professional? If so, you should know about Government Marketing University's GAIN Conference on October 13th in Reston, Virginia. GAIN stands for Grow, Accelerate, Innovate, and Network. 
our top-notch training and educational content, networking opportunities, and robust exchange of ideas will help you grow your skills, accelerate your marketing success, develop innovative marketing strategies and tactics, all while networking with your peers. Visit governmentmarketinguniversity.com. That's governmentmarketinguniversity.com to learn more about our 2017 GAIN Conference on October 13th. Brought to you by Government Marketing University. Welcome back to Market Chat, brought to you by Government Marketing University on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. I am Luann Brossman, and I am your host today, along with my co-host, Steve Watkins. Steve, how are you doing over there? Great. Great show. And uh, today we're talking state and local marketing, which is a topic that we haven't talked about yet on Market Chat until today. So we're very excited. We have three public sector marketers with us today who have unlocked the secrets of successfully marketing to state and local governments. And I am thrilled to introduce our next panelist today, um, Karen Borowski. Karen, I have known you for a long time. I know, a long time. And have watched you grow in your career, and I'm just so impressed and proud of of what you've accomplished. Well, thank Um, you. Karen is the Senior Field Marketing Manager for State and Local Government at NetApp, and she truly is becoming, I think, the state and local go-to expert. and for best practices. So we're thrilled to have you in the studio today. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. All right. Well, let's just jump right into this because that's what our audience and our listeners want. So, um, you know, it's interesting times today, especially on the federal side, but I think that's also on the state and local side, which we're here to talk about. So, you know, give us the Karen insights into what you're seeing today in these uh, interesting times in state and local marketing. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think every time there's an administration change, um, there's always a lot of questions and concern, both on the federal and the state and local side. And I think one of the top things um, that I'm hearing is, of course, how this new administration's budget might impact grant funding. We're hearing Mm. that there could be some significant cuts. um, But there's always changes every time a new administration takes over. Um, But there is definitely some concern on that front. Uh, State and local takes advantage of a lot of grant funding particularly from the federal budget. So there's a lot of questions and concerns at this point. There's also, anytime you have new governors that are elected, uh, state-level CIO seats will turn over. So we've already seen some CIO turnover um, in Maryland and in North Carolina, where there were new governors elected. And that always brings change as well. Another thing that state and local is is, is uh, it's impacting them as well as on the federal side is really with the silver tsunami, as we've all heard, where a lot of people are coming up for retirement. Oh, so, I've not heard that oh, term. Oh, you haven't? Yes. Silver tsunami. Silver tsunami. I like that. So uh, as, as everyone is, they're looking at new and better ways to recruit uh, IT people, particularly in security. As we all hear, it's a very important topic right now. So they're always competing with private sector. And as they're seeing more and more of their workforce age out... It's mm. another thing that they are also addressing. So that probably means in state and local and, and federal as well, because it's the silver tsunami, my mm-hmm. new favorite term. <laughs> um, it, it drives back that educational marketing is even more important, you know, helping to educate the public sector workers on how the technology can help them. Yes. And, you know, more and more as as budgets get tighter or, or things get more challenging, we find that our state and local customers really do look to vendors and contractors as an extension of their workforce, of course. So um, they really are leaning more and more on technology experts to help them figure out how to be more efficient and impactful, particularly as uh, citizens are looking for more uh, more uh, services, are looking for better services, and everything's really moving more towards an IT modernization. Ah, and citizens' engagement, customer journey, all those wonderful buzzwords us marketers love to talk Absolutely. about. Absolutely. Um, so you did touch on federal, and you talked about grants. Let's share with our listeners what you think are the key differences uh, between federal marketing and state and local marketing. Sure. Um, so one thing that I found state and local marketing, it's very heavily diversified. So um, it's very distributed. That's an understatement, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> federal is too, but <clears throat> you find that you have state level, city level, and of course, county level. So um, what I really look at is, you know, don't boil the ocean. You really have to work, as Stephanie said, with your sales and engineering leadership to figure out where you can be the most impactful, where you can make um, the best strides with your sales team. Otherwise, you, you really spread yourself too thin. So that's one thing that I've I've seen and I've uh, worked with my sales team particularly on. Um, accessibility. I, mm. I have a sales director that came over from the DOD, and the first thing that he said to me was how surprised he was, how more accessible and willing to talk and collaborate 
with vendors, uh, state and local is. So there are many events and associations um, that you can take advantage of to educate yourself and get access to these decision makers. And as I said, I mean, they really are leaning on vendors and on IT contractors to help them. Hear that, listeners? You know, especially marketers that are listening to this, get your sales and your BD people out in the field. Get them out to these states. How about the buying habits? How do they differ from federal? Yeah, so of course, different contracts. Um, So we work with the GSA contract, but then there are state-level contracts that are held. So what it used to be be called WISCA is now called NASPO. Hmm. And um, every state pretty much has a state-specific contract. And if you are not on that contract, it's very difficult to sell to them. So um, definitely look at that as well as buying cycle. As Stephanie mentioned, most states are on a fiscal year end in June, but all the localities have have different fiscal year ends. So there's somewhat of a busy season in state and local government. But in reality, when you start factoring in um, all the different cities and counties, you can really be working with different year ends all year long. So stay busy. Stay busy marketing. Yes, Great. Okay, so um, one of the things I'd like us to move into now is is as we're building out these marketing plans and we're staying busy, making sure we're, we're touching them 12 months out of the year, what are some of the technology thought leadership areas that you're seeing in your landscape today? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I was attending an event um, a few months ago, and um, they talked through the priorities both at the state, the county, and the city level, and they were all the same, just at a different priority order. So Um, what those are, and I'll I'll walk through the three and then I'll elaborate some. First was cloud computing, as we're not surprised to hear. Um, Another is cybersecurity. And then lastly, what they mentioned, which was so interesting to me, was broadband or connectivity, Mm. which I hadn't really thought about. But I mean, think about how often we are really leveraging the connectivity, Wi-Fi, broadband in our own life. So they're looking at ways to make things even more connected. So Cloud computing, I mean, we've all heard that that's a huge focus on on the federal side, no different in the the state and local side. Um, I think the thing that's most interesting is some of these states are actually setting up their own private cloud to serve out to all of the different sub-agencies. We've seen that in Ohio. We've seen that in uh, Maryland. So they are in some ways looking at being their own um, cloud provider within the state. Interesting. There's also, yeah, there's also a lot of um, cities and counties and states that are looking at the economics of cloud just to do backup. Um, You know, again, they have to be very sensitive about the types of data they put into a public cloud. Um, They have to really think about where's that data being held? How's it being secured? So sometimes the easiest thing to do is just put their backups into the cloud. Things that don't have, you know, personally identifiable information that's really sensitive. And then lastly, of course, um, we always hear that there's a combination of public-private. So hybrid cloud is always going to be probably at the forefront. Uh, That's the best way to get the most cost-efficient solution. Uh, Moving on, so then cybersecurity, Mm. you know, that's it's becoming more and more of an issue. And one thing that we really see in the state and local area is what's called ransomware. Um, Some some of you may not know what that term is, but you've probably uh, in some way encountered it. And that's really where you have a malicious attack. Um, all of these state and local agencies have some type of computer network and um, someone gets in, whether it's someone within the company or someone outside the company through a phishing email or a breach in your um, security, and they lock down your whole system. And from there, you either have to figure out, okay, do I have data backups that I can roll back to and um, you know get myself back online? Or am I going to have to pay a ransom? Right. So that's you know, why it's called ransomware. I speak from personal... Um, I got hit with ransomware not too long ago. First off, it's very scary because yes. the images that fly up on your screen are, were very scary. And luckily, I had a backup. So I can see and happy to know the state and local governments are focusing on that because right. it's real. Yeah. And they're saying there's somewhere around 4,000 ransomware attacks a day. Wow. And, you know, Madison County, Indiana, Los Angeles County Health Department, and a lot of even universities have been forced to pay a ransom. They basically shut down everything. So imagine having no access to any of your uh, normal services. No phones, no computer, nothing until you figure out how you're going to move forward from that. It's pretty scary stuff. It's it's a hard time for uh, cyber IT officials today in government. Yeah, for sure. And then the last thing with security is really around public safety. So um, I think we're all aware of, you know, video surveillance. There's a real move towards body-worn cameras now. There has been a, obviously a lot of news out there around um citizen safety and 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 police officer safety so we have seen a, a huge move towards 
Um, you know, where's that data being stored? How are those solutions being built out? How can we make our cities more safe? Um, so all of those really fall under security. And then lastly, as I talked about with broadband and connectivity, um, I was really surprised how many city and county CIOs are really thinking about the Internet of Things, how to make things uh, more connected. Uh, they talked about smart streetlights that turn up when you're trying to read a parking meter or you oh, enter. Oh, that would be useful. Right. Or you enter a park for your own safety. Um, they talked about smart trash cans. It was it was really impactful to me on how much these leaders are really thinking about their own constituents and how they can make them safer and make their lives easier. So anytime you have smart cities, that's a lot of data. And that's my world, right? I'm all about the data and where right. we store it and how to make it efficient. So um, I find those solutions really interesting. And 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 myself and my sales and engineering leadership team are always looking at, you know, what what are our customers focusing on and how can we help better serve them and, you know, come to them with solutions to, to solve their business challenges. You know, it makes me think that uh, we do a lot of job fairs at different universities. And what we're finding at these large universities are students coming out with their undergraduate degree or their master's in marketing don't really know about government marketing. They mm -hmm. know about commercial marketing. That's what they're taught. And so we are out there working hard to educate them. And how cool would it be to share what you just said to them where with the whole use of social marketing today, but they will help states and counties and local governments protect their citizens. I mean, how cool is that as a marketer to be able to say, my mission is to make government safer for our citizens? So, yeah, it's very rewarding work. Absolutely. I think that's why many of us work in, in public sector marketing. I mean, both on the federal and the state and local side. I mean, we really do see the impact in our day to day lives. I mean, um, some of us that live here in Fairfax County. I mean, there are, you know, people's kids go to that school system. I mean, we live in cities and counties where we want to be safe. We want to have better infrastructure and, and transportation. So um, I, I do think that it's a great place to go to work. I, I tell more and more people as they come out of school, hey, have you thought about, you know, public sector marketing? Right. It's, it's a, and they're like, what? I know. So that's our mission at Government Marketing University with individuals such as yourself Absolutely. to uh, help educate these future government marketers. All right, so let's move on to the next question. So we love to hear about successful case studies. This is one of the things that our students say they want to hear about more than anything else. So share with us um, a successful state and local case study that you've been executed on. Sure, and as Stephanie mentioned, um, you know, with how diverse the state and local market is, I find it's really great to diversify your marketing strategy. Um, one thing that we recently did that went that was very successful is we actually partnered with a grants organization. Um, there's an organization actually called the Grants Office that we work with, but then we also um, brought in a organization called Naserta, which is a New York State funded grants organization. Um, and we did a webinar and we talked a lot about um, data center efficiency and economics. And the, and Naserta is specifically focused on helping make state-funded uh, data centers more efficient and green. So, of course, we're all looking at um, the, in the environment. We're all looking at climate change. And they're really trying to help fund people to make their data centers more cost-efficient. So, mm -hmm. as you can imagine, when you have customers on that webinar, they start to find out, wait a second, there's actual funding that I can leverage to pay for the infrastructure and the solutions that I already need. So there was a lot of engagement. There was a lot of follow-up, specifically directly from those um, contacts to our end uh, account executives. So I thought that was a, one example of Absolutely. just really talking about something that's important, impactful to them, bringing in the resources and the thought leadership that they're looking for and really helping them kind of crack crack that issue. You know, I'm, I'm seeing a trend here of our speakers talking about grants. So I think that there's either a paper or a webinar or something that um, we can do. Steve, what do you think about that? Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a huge uh, source of, of uh, appropriation for uh, a lot of these um, initiatives, whether it's, you know, broadband or, or job training and so forth. So. And it's a way for vendors to help government by Absolutely. bringing to market these these grants. Love it. All right, let's spend some time. And Karen, I'm going to ask a favor of you as well, is that uh, the question I have for you next is around events. And we, we could spend six hours probably going through <laughs> events. So let's do a high level on events, what your recommendations are. But then I'd love to have you give us a list later um, that we can publish on okay. GMarkU on state and local events. Absolutely. 
Yeah, so as you can imagine, there are a tremendous number of events that take place in state and local government. Um, what I would really say is there are some that are higher level that I would recommend, particularly if you're looking, like I said, to really focus on specific states, specific geographies. There are what's called digital government summits that happen in all 50 states. Um, they are put on by an outside organization, but they are really spearheaded and sponsored by that state level government. They're always held in the capital of that state. So I definitely recommend those. There's an association called um, the National Association of State Technology Directors, mm. and they also host regional events and they bring in actual state CIOs and they present and they talk specifically about the challenges that they're facing and what they're looking for and kind of what their long term, maybe two to three year strategy would be. So, again, if you're um, trying to figure out how to get into that market or if you're if you're really attacking that market, it's great information. Um, there's also NASIO, which is the National Association of State CIOs. Mm -hmm. It's a, There's a mid-year event and an annual event. Again, all these state CIOs come in. They bring in their deputy CIOs. It, they are there. They're, they're there for you to talk to. They present. So, again, it's another um, And I have attended NASIO in the past. And what I find at that particular event is how welcoming and engaging Absolutely. the state and local IT community is to the vendors. They really are. It, it's, it's a wonderful opportunity to actually even meet some of these folks that you may have not um, had a chance to meet in person right. before. Right. All right. And as I know, there are many more. So as I said, we're going to uh, work with Karen and have us a wonderful list of state and local events that we can post out to our site. All right. So Karen, to close this part, um, you know, what are three pieces of advice? Again, you are a mentor in this field. So what are three pieces of advice that you would give to a new marketer in the state and local market? Sure. So uh, I would definitely say, as Stephanie mentioned, you know, educate yourself, continue to learn. Um, I think anytime you can get out and attend some of these events or even get out and, and be in front of your own state and local customers and hear directly from them. Of course, there's a ton of, of information online as well. There's great opportunity to read. But education, I think, is one of the top things to do. Um, as I mentioned, be strategic and focus. So don't spread yourself so thin and try to tackle every single customer there is out there in state and local. Really try and think about and work with your sales team on how you can be successful, what is really going to be your strategy and your focus in that market. And then lastly, as I mentioned, you know, understand your customers' challenges. So that really goes hand in hand with educating yourself. But the more that you can learn about um, what they're dealing with, what's, you know, what is their new challenge, what what are still kind of their top priorities. And again, there's great CIO surveys that are out there every year that can help you with that. So those are really the three main things that I would recommend. Those are awesome. And I'm sure you've got lots of others. So uh, we will definitely have you back. Um, I know we're going to have you participate in our GAIN conference this year, talking right. about state and local marketing. So a great event. Um, so thank you, Karen Borowski. All right. Thank you. I am Luann Drossman, your host of Government Marketing University, where we bring you government marketing hot topics, exciting guests, and innovative ideas on government marketing. You are listening to Market Chat, bringing clarity to the clutter in government marketing, brought to you by Government Marketing University on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Are you a government marketing professional? If so, you should know about Government Marketing University's GAIN Conference on October 13th in Reston, Virginia. GAIN stands for Grow, Accelerate, Innovate, and Network. Our top-notch training and educational content, networking opportunities, and robust exchange of ideas will help you grow your skills, accelerate your marketing success, develop innovative marketing strategies and tactics, all while networking with your peers. Visit governmentmarketinguniversity.com. That's governmentmarketinguniversity.com to learn more about our 2017 GAIN conference on October 13th. Brought to you by Government Marketing University. Thank you, Luann. So our guest, James Baker, as you said, he's a author and marketing consultant and strategist. Uh, he spent uh, much of his career in the D.C. metropolitan area, as well as in Northern California, where he resides now. And we're on the phone with him. How are you doing, Jimmy? I'm doing great. Good to be back in the Beltway. And uh, just so everyone knows, even though I moved west, I still bleed burgundy and gold. Uh, I've never uh, changed my red skin stripes on that, but very excited to be on the show today. Great. Great to have you. And um, anyone, by the way, uh, interested in knowing more about Jimmy, if you haven't already heard him uh, or heard of him, he's a uh, He's a, a, a pretty well-known figure in the public sector marketing community and, and can talk uh, pretty much about 
the full spectrum of, of public sector marketing, but he does have his own website as well, jamesjbaker.com. So thanks for joining us. So, Jimmy, let's uh, start off by um, talking about or defining the state and local marketplace. So how big is it and, and what's it include? Well, it's actually it's quite big, and I want to talk a little bit about how state and local get lumped into marketing efforts. I do quite a bit of consulting work with technology companies that focus both on the federal government, and I'm going to specifically focus on state and local, but what we find in most organizations is that state and local is lumped in something called SLED, state, local, and education. So marketing, sales, business development teams kind of split there. When we're looking at this SLED marketplace, and I'm going to break it down specifically on state and local, um, it's a $1.5 trillion a year marketplace. Uh, there was a recent report by OnVIA Marketing Intelligence where they said that over 90,000 different SLED organizations put out over 400,000 bidding opportunities last year. Now, let me let me break that. That's just right there, a massive amount of number. Let me break that down to what gets to state, county, and city, because that's where we're really seeing it made up of. 27% is state government. 17% is at the county level. And then 34% is at your city and municipality uh, level. So that, that gives you an idea. It's an extremely large marketplace. And, you know, when we compare that, I think the federal IT budget this year is $81.5 billion. You know, there's a lot to do in the state, local uh, marketplace. So the IT, so clarify that the state and local IT budget would, would be what then? Do you, do would be, you, it'd be, it'd be a subset of that. Yeah. And um, I don't have that information right now, Steve, but um, what, the, what they would do is have a subset budget for state local, for, for the state and local. So you've, you've defined how big this market is and how, how, uh, fragmented it is as well. But uh, so why should companies consider engaging the public sector market at those levels, at, at the local, state, and county level? Well, I think it's, you know, in, in many ways, um, the market is the same. It's the same as federal, but it's different. But the bottom line is there's, um, there's funding, there's opportunity, and they need solutions. And I, you know, I particularly swim in the technology pond. And you know, many of the technology issues are the same. They just there's some, and what we can talk a little bit more about. There's a lot of similarities and a lot of differences um, in the marketplaces. But again, it's opportunity. Yeah, and, and let's let's go into that. What what are some of those differences that exist between those the different levels, state, county, and, and municipal? That's a really good question. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit about what is the same and what is the different. Um, the last eight years, I have, I'm have i the founder and, and managing partner and moderator of the Public Sector Technology Exchange, PSTE. And essentially what I do is I pull together state, local, and education leaders, and we talk about the issues of technology. I've we have one coming up uh, in June called Hackers and the Human Factor, Securing Government and Education. And we're going to feature an incredible lineup of uh, folks from uh, state, local, higher education industry. And, you know, right now in the state and local marketplace, some of the, the key issues that they're concerned about are very similar to federal. One of the big things that um, over the, you know, in a given year, Steve, I probably interview 100 plus government people. And one of the big themes that we're seeing right now is everyone is concerned about uh, ransomware, uh, phishing schemes, as well as uh, the Mirai botnet attack that happened out at Deutsche Telekom last November, where literally the Internet of Things was used against them. So in a lot of the, a lot of the circles and, and, and discussions that we've been having on the PSTE is it's, you know, it's no longer a question of uh, – if you're going to get breached, but when and how do you prepare and, and, you know, deal with the, you know, proverbial powder cake situation that can happen. So my point is, you know, if you're selling technology solutions, technology products, cloud is huge, security is huge, those are, those are going to translate. Um, and the other thing, too, that you have to, have to realize is that much of the federal, state, local budgets, they get funding from the federal government. So many times political mandates are, they trickle down at that level. 
The other thing um, I would tell you know folks listening in is that keep in mind, state and local go through a uh, capital planning and investment control or CIPIC process, just like the Fed do. So, you know, this is a this is a really fascinating discussion for people that are you know that that really track government spending and understand it. But the bottom line is, they go through a process where they lay out their requirements, plan what they're going to do. It's the, the the budget years are a little bit different how they do it. I'll talk about that in a moment. But at the end of the day, they have a process just like the uh, federal government does to, to, you know, to go out for a bid. Now, let's talk about some of the differences. Um, one of the big things I found when I, you know, kind of migrated from uh, federal, which I grew up in, to state and local is that they're information is so reported so differently than the federal government and their budget calendars are different many of the states um, they have larger small business set aside that are higher than the federal government uh, as we all know the federal government runs October to October for their calendar year but about 86 percent of all the states do their calendar year from June to June um, 44 percent of all the counties and cities do it December December so you know, when you're tracking any kind of deal, you know, you've got to understand, you know, when the budget comes in, when the funding comes in and look at it that. Um, the other thing that I want to I want to talk about uh, just for, for a quick moment, Steve, is the um, the federal process, because many times when you're in the federal government, there's a way that things are done. And that doesn't necessarily start translate out to the state and local market. Let me be specific. Many of your listeners who are in the D.C. Beltway know that you can go you can go out, you can download the president's budget uh, report for IT spending, the Exhibit 53s. You can literally um, get the budget and know the difference between steady state and DME or new funding. And then you can actually track the Exhibit 300 that's associated with major investments. You know, in a perfect world, if you're, if you're tracking federal dollars, you can go out to the budget, learn a great deal about who, what, where, and how an agency spends. You can also go out to the FPDS and learn about your competitors. You can study OIG and GAO and gain insight where an agency might be have trouble. So the federal information is just really open and accessible. Many of the states I help clients with do not have data that is accessible. It's kind of like the government, uh, the federal government was before uh, Bush 43 and the Quicksilver Initiative. So the information is there, but it's a lot harder to get where, you know, like I was saying, you know, many of the um, state organizations, you can't, you can't access the information the same way you would a uh, federal, federal government. I will say this though, um, there are many states that do put good information out there. State of Texas is one. Uh, you can go out to the uh, Texas Library and Archives Commission and pull budget data. I love the state of Michigan's dashboard where they show you the actual cost to operate government. But, you know, again, keep in mind that uh, the information is is not as um, easily to access as it is in the federal government. Yeah, that's a huge so, challenge because uh, it's not aggregated, as you're saying. You just have to go uh, market by market and, and literally just hope they have uh, good reporting uh, vehicles for you. Yeah, or you're, you're calling into the, free, you know, they have Freedom of Information Act. They do have uh, different, you know, most states have auditing groups that will go in and check things. But again, it's really, it's, it's really, it's, it's quite different. And one of the big things you have to learn is how to, how to, how to, how to parallel, parallel all that. And then the other thing, um, you know, I'll give you an example. Um, Last uh, in March, we did an event called Prevent, Detect, Respond with the Public Sector Technology Exchange, and we had someone from Miami-Dade County on who was their uh, chief security person, and he said, you know, you've got to think of Miami-Dade running all these large companies. You know, they're 100 miles from Cuba. They have an airport and a seaport. So again, really, you know, and you know, if you want to go sell to Miami-Dade, you may, you know, that's a you have to have the breadth of, uh, you know what they're dealing with to really go and effectively access them. But again, the information is uh, is not as uh, easily to access as, as it is in the federal. Yeah, and for um, for our marketing audience, so how do they how do they leverage that um, or for for their own either field marketing activities or planning uh, events or uh, just planning around specific state and local uh, procurement programs? 
You know, that's an, that's an excellent question. And, and I think one of the fundamental cores to marketing, business development, and sales is, is do you actually, does your organization actually value, validate your unique selling proposition to the organization you're targeting? So let me, let me pull that back. You know, long, long before I ever wrote a book, did the PSTE, I was a salesperson. I went on to be a business developer in DC. And, and one of the, you know, I, I, w- I was blessed to learn from three uh, legendary BD people. And one of the big things that they always taught me is, does the, does the customer, and usually in, in any kind of government deal to multiple people that you're selling to, do they see us the way we see us? And, you know, I would tell anyone, you know, when you're, when you're beginning to go into this marketplace is, you know, do your homework, do your research, but ultimately validate your value proposition. Because I will tell you this, talking to people both in, you know, CONUS and OCONUS, uh, continental United States and outside the continental United States, the issues in Hawaii are very different than what's in Iowa. And you have to understand, you know, that the, um, you know, and I, I'm in the technology side of the real, you know, the, 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 you know, the rubber on the tires of the car are the same, the engine's the same, but the wrap's very different. So you have to, again, understand the environment you're going into. And then ultimately, I think the key to any kind of, you know, sales and marketing is just to validate that you really um, are the, what the customer needs. Yeah. So if you're a, a cyber company or a cloud or, or data center uh, uh, optimization uh, company and you're trying to market your solutions to uh, multiple states, you really have to understand what are their specific um, public sector initiatives that, that uh, you know, and those vary, they may vary widely from state to state, it sounds like, or from, from locality to locality. And so you, you really need to be... Um, familiar with, with those initiatives in some detail so you can really tailor and hone that message. Yeah, very much so. Great, great. And then, and then you know, the other thing, Steve, that you have to think of that a lot of people don't, and, they, and I see this, um, you know, I'm, out, uh, I'm outside of Sacramento. Um, I was just down in uh, Silicon Valley the other week, and a lot of times um, what, what, what a lot of folks – miss the boat on is they see government as a single vertical and, and there's no way that exists. Most agencies or organizations have between 15 and 30 different verticals in them. So you, you know, are, are you, are you selling healthcare, logistics, food services? You have to begin to also ultimately, you know, be able to show your, your prospect that this is what we do to help you change life in this particular vertical. Yeah. You mentioned earlier the, and and I think this could be important in terms of kind of not only honing the message, but also figuring out when and where to apply the marketing messaging um, initiatives in the procurement process. But you, you mentioned before the CPIC um, process, the capital planning instruction and, mm-hmm. and investment and control process. Um, now I've heard of uh, what they call information review boards. Can you, can you explain a little bit kind of how the role they play and why marketers need to be aware of those? And, uh, and, and if you're, you're driving or uh, hit record, this is, this is a piece of gold we're going to give you right here. But many times when people market and sell, they miss what's called the IRB, Information Review Board. So much like the federal government, when they do their capital planning investment control process, there is a group of technology leaders that ultimately are part of the decision, and they're setting the requirements to go buy and procure a set of goods and services. So, and traditionally involved, and in, you know, and I, like I said, long before you know the, the consulting and the book and uh, books and everything else that I did. I was in business development and sales, and so we would always make sure that when we presented, you know, you just don't present to a CIO. There are many people on their team that go into. So let me let me give you an example. So let's say you have the newest widget that's be, you know the best thing since sliced bread, and you're going to walk into a CIO and SIZO, and your whole goal is to show them. You know, hey, this is uh, this is the best widget in the world. Well, the reality is that any solution that you go and pitch, and the information review board, they're going to be decision makers, recommenders, 
implementers, and procurement people. And when you go and touch an organization, you need to sell and market to all areas of that. And a lot of times, marketing people are, are so focused on C-level. What I typically find is CIOs are, are, are very much you know, a um, leader advisory, but the people that actually test and do proof of concepts aren't necessarily the CIOs. It's someone on their team that's... Um, you know, implementing. And like I said, you want to make sure that you reach out to everyone on that. And here's the other boondoggle that you have to think of. When you go after an IRB, it's composed of uh, three different demographics of people. So um, the Office of Personal Personnel Management tells us that the average age of a government employee is about 55 years old and I think 13 years of experience. That kind of translates over to the state and local marketplace. So that's a baby boomer. They absorb and handle information differently, where you might find that some of the um, implementers and technologists are Generation X like me, or they're millennials. And again, different way of absorbing and researching information. So at the end of it, when you go, uh, and I'll kind of just bring it back to point here, when you, let's say we're going after, um, we'll use my home state, you're going to go after the state of Maryland. Um, you need to understand that when you go and present, you know, the, the newest widget, widget that's better than sliced bread to the state of Maryland, there's in, in a specific department, in a specific agency, in a specific office, there's going to be a, a, a way that they plan their investments and a board that literally, or a tech committee, whatever you want to call it, yeah. that will actually determine whether they're going to use the solution or not. So yeah. IRB is a really, really important part, not only to business development, but um unbelievably critical to marketing. Yeah, that's uh, that's great information. So um, so we have just a couple seconds left, Jimmy, uh, probably about 20 seconds. Um, can I ask you, what, what are some, uh, what what's the one piece of advice you would have for folks uh, trying to break into state and local? Do your, do your homework. Um, I, um, it's probably the better thing, validate, you know, be ready for objections, and then wait and carefully plan the deals you pursue. Um, if you have commercial calls or a federal agency you're working with, chances are you can leverage that in state and local. And, you know, and I would say this, and the other big thing, um, people chase unfunded deals all the time. Don't do it. Anything okay. that you should go after has got to have money. Thanks so much, Jimmy. That was fantastic uh, information. Awesome. Jimmy, thank you so much. This is Luann and um Awesome information, and and it's sad that this session today is is coming to a close, but we promise that Government Marketing University will be bringing our listeners and our students a lot more information on state and local marketing because I think that there's a a lot to be learned still, and what we learned today was invaluable. Thank you to our listeners, and please join us on our next Market Chat on Federal News Radio. I am Luann Brossman. I'm your host of Government Marketing Market Chat, where we bring you government marketing hot topics, exciting guests, and innovative ideas on government marketing. You have been listening to Market Chat, bringing clarity to the clutter in government marketing, brought to you by Government Marketing University on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Are you a government marketing professional? If so, you should know about Government Marketing University's GAIN Conference on October 13th in Reston, Virginia. GAIN stands for Grow, Accelerate, Innovate, and Network. Our top-notch training and educational content, networking opportunities, and robust exchange of ideas will help you grow your skills, accelerate your marketing success, develop innovative marketing strategies and tactics, all while networking with your peers. Visit governmentmarketinguniversity.com. That's governmentmarketinguniversity.com to learn more about our 2017 GAIN Conference on October 13th. Brought to you by Government Marketing University. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. 
So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Today, the impossible is happening. Someone is coming home. Thanks to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, thousands with blood cancer are coming home to live a normal life. When you support LLS, you accelerate promising treatments that save lives, such as harnessing the immune system to fight cancer or creating personalized therapies for patients. LLS has been involved in nearly every major blood cancer breakthrough in the past 50 years. When you support LLS, you support the most pioneering cancer research of our time. Help us send more people home. Help us turn someday into today. Find out more at LLS.org. Join us. Music is a bridge between the material and the spiritual. My name is Harvey Lauer, and I'm 82. As a blind person, you have to be aware that nobody can tell you what you can or can't do. You really have to try things. My folks got me a little radio in 1940, and that was the best Christmas present I ever got. When I was 11 years old is when I started to... uh, play music, play the piano, and then the accordion, and then the cello. My wife, who was also blind, was a good cook. When she died, that's when I started Meals on Wheels. America, let's do lunch. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council.